Let's stand all over the house this morning. Let's begin to uh, worship the Lord this morning. As we begin to sing this morning, we're going to sing some, some songs that are hymns out of the hymn book. And you're going to be able to follow them along on the screens this morning. But let's just worship the Lord together. Oh 
And I'm going to ask the ushers at this time if they come this morning as we get ready to take up our morning tithes and offerings today. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you and we glorify your name. We ask God that you would be with us as we get ready to take up this morning's tithes and offerings. Bless the gift and the giver. Bless those that have to give and those that may not. If there's someone here today who cannot give for whatever reason, I pray you would bless them so they could be able to give back, Lord, unto you today. Lord, I pray, God, that you would use this offering that is getting ready to be taken for the upbuilding of your kingdom. Father, I pray today that you would help us, Lord, to be able to just worship you and have your presence come down in this place. And we will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Christ's name we pray and ask. Amen. Will you bring it during our meet and greet at this time? God bless you. trying to make their way uh, to their seats. We'll give you just a few moments to do so at this time. Uh, we want to um, get ready to get ready to go to the Lord in prayer and have our scripture in prayer, but I do want to make a couple just announcements uh, to you today. Uh, don't forget tonight is uh, our uh, snack night that we will be having uh, to finish off, if you will, the culmination of being on the fast. We've been on a 21-day journey uh, some of us on this fast and prayer and fasting, and so we're going to have a snack night tonight, uh, immediately following our uh, evening worship service in the back in the Fellowship Hall area, so please come and join us uh, for that. Uh, most of you that are a part of the leadership training 
you already have received a letter, but don't forget that it's coming up here soon, uh, and we will be meeting, uh, I believe it's next Saturday, uh, that we will be having that. Uh, we are also uh, in the process of getting ready to take in new membership. Uh, we've had some that expressed interest in joining uh, the body of Christ and the family of faith, and so um, we want you to be a part of that. And so on February the 11th, if you're able, uh, we've, your connection team should have already reached out to you, but on February the 11th, at 10 o'clock, that's a Saturday morning, 10 o'clock here at the church, we're just going to ask you to come for about an hour. We just want to talk to you, tell you about the church, the mission and vision, where we're going, what we're doing, what's happening, what's our goals for 2023, just different things so that in that way you, when you join our family of faith, and become part of our family here at Santee Circle. You, somebody says, well, where do you go to church? I go to Santee Circle Church. Go, oh, tell me about it. I don't know nothing about those people. I just joined them. I want you to know something. So you just don't join blindly and like, I don't know. We just hang out sometimes. So uh, I want you to be aware of that. Uh, next Sunday we have a special guest, uh, the State Youth and Discipleship Director of South Carolina. He's been on the books for about six months. Uh, but other things have happened, and there's been a lot of changing of the guard, and there's been a lot of movement. Uh, and headquarters and things like that. But next Sunday, Pastor uh, Chad or Bishop Chad and Jennifer Fickett will be with us to just speak to us. We've been wanting to get them down here. He's wanting to talk about youth camps and talking about the youth things going on. And he likes to go to the various churches in the state and connect with the youth department. And so uh, we have asked him to come and uh, speak to that. If you're over 55, you don't have to tell me that you're over 55, but you're over 55. On Saturday, February the 25th at 8.30 here at the Hardys in Monk's Corner, we just want to meet for breakfast with you. We just want to hang out with you for a little while. And we want to just get some feedback from you about some things we can do with our pillars ministry. We don't like to call you seniors. We don't like you to feel like you're old. We don't want you, you know, to feel like that you're antiquated. But we do feel like that you are a life breath of the church. You are the pillars. You're the undergirth of our church. Most of our seniors, I would do this normally during the week, but most of our seniors are not retired. They still work. So that doesn't really work for us because most of our seniors are more active than the rest of us. So I'm having to pick a day that maybe you would take 30 minutes out of your schedule and to do so. So just make sure, if you will, you'll, you will be announcing that. But we're just going to eat breakfast together. Uh, always, for those that are watching online, you can see our services. Uh, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple and Google. Uh, all of the information of our services are on the internet. They're easy to find. Um, if you are a first-time guest, uh, I think most of the folks here today uh, are have been with me at least once before. If you are a first-time guest, we're so glad you're here. Hope you feel right at home. If you need anything, please let one of our hospitality team members know. And uh, we would love to, to just uh, get to meet you and talk to you a little bit after church. This time, I'm going to ask those leading scripture and prayer to be making their way this morning. And immediately following scripture and prayer, we have a special treat for you today. Normally you see Ms., you don't see Miss Jeannie. She's in the back teaching all our kids in children's church. But on the fifth Sunday, we always have family worship Sunday. And so this morning, since she's in service with us today, we've asked her to sing today. And so she'll be blessing us with the special selection this morning. God bless you at this time. Praise the Lord. Everybody glad to be in God's house? Amen. I know I'm glad. I don't know of any favorite hospitals I'd rather be in. I'm always glad to be in the Lord's house. Um, the Lord changed my, my scripture this morning. I mean, he just changed it real quick. So I got to obey the Lord. Um, Paul talking to the Thessalonian church. He says, but of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall come up as a thief in the night. When they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. 
has travailed upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. God's word, praise the Lord. Um, I'd like to go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to, to touch us, to have his way in this service. We want the Lord to have his way in this Amen. service because we need his touch. Father, again, we're thankful. Let us all pray that you have your way, Lord. Father, we're thankful, Lord, to be children of God. Lord, I'm thankful for this gospel way. Lord, I pray that you would touch and bless and minister this hour, Lord. I pray something might be done in the music, Lord. Something that might be said in the word, Lord, that might touch and give us, again, a desire, Lord, for a closer relationship with you, Lord. Again, we're thankful for all that you do, Lord. Again, Lord, we pray that your presence be among us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
know that uh, typically that uh, there should be two or three more praise and worship songs that should be sung but at the bottom of our schedules I always have this written at the bottom of our schedule in red lettering this schedule is subject to change under the direction and leading of the Holy Spirit in essence what I'm really saying is this program really doesn't matter if God wants to change the order of service Amen. now I think our band is incredible I think our singers are incredible but no matter how good we sing no matter how well we play there's nothing like hearing from God you can't replicate him he's beyond recognition beyond replication so before we get into the breaking of the bread I just want us to sing this like we actually know what it means because some of us have been through storms some of us have been through adversity some of us have come through some difficult days some of us have even this week faced some challenges on our hands but we can have assurance to know that we serve a God that is still the wave walker is still the wind whisperer and still is the storm silencer we serve a God that can walk with us when all the earth comes against us we can be sheltered safe within the arms of Jesus Christ we can hold on to the arms of Jesus we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil for we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother we serve the Lord so let's sing it together. They don't worry me for I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. He walks with me and not a bird shall harm me. Oh, can you just worship Him, church? For I'm sure I'm sheltered in 
Father God, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus. God, we ask that you would be with us in this place today. God, I pray, God, that you would let the Spirit of Almighty God that we feel in this house just settle down. <laughs> and let him just settle in our midst today. Oh, God, I, I thank you. We feel your presence. Oh, God, I thank you that you are an old-time God. Yes, you are. You may not always come when you want us to, when we want you to, but you'll be there right on time. God, you know when to show up. You know when to show out. You know when to show up and just do things we can't think or comprehend. Oh, God, we thank you. We glorify you. We magnify you. We worship you. I enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made and will rejoice that he has made me glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Blessed be the rock, the rock of my salvation. Oh, magnify the Lord. Oh, I praise you, God. I glorify you, God. I give you glory and honor for you are worthy to be praised you are Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end the first and the last God you are you are the one that was and is and is to come and the soon coming King oh God we glorify that name where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father oh we give you praise God we'll praise you in the morning we'll praise you in the evening we'll praise you in the afternoon let everything that has breath we praise the Lord we glorify you today God we magnify you today God there is no one like our God there is no one like Jehovah oh we magnify you today Lord oh God thank you for your presence thank you for your Holy Spirit thank you for sending the comforter today oh we glorify you Lord we love you Lord oh we worship you today Lord Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, glory. Glory, glory, glory. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Oh, we just lift your hands all over the house. Take a moment and just worship the Lord. Oh, God, we glorify your name. Oh, we magnify you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ha. Well, glory. Ha. Well, glory. Ha. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Ha. Well, glory. Now, for some that may be in this building that say, well, Pastor, what's going on? Some, there may be some in this building that don't understand Church of God, which is a Pentecostal church. You may not understand Pentecost. And you may say, well, I don't know what Pentecost is. Well, the easiest way I could give you all the theology and I can give you all the the, the exegetical but, but I, the best way for me is just to tell you straight from the word of God. The Bible says this is that which the holy this is that which the prophet foretold 
that you'll be endued with power than which that the Holy Ghost will come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world I believe this is the outpouring of a Joel 2 28 29 in my last days saith the Lord of hosts I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and sons and daughters will prophesy old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions even upon the male servants and handmaidens of the Lord shall I pour out my spirit saith God I'm telling you there's something to be said when there is a changing in the atmosphere one of the reasons I love fasting is it seems like when you come off the fast God shows up I'm telling you I'm like the psalmist David I'm glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of my God I'm telling you that if you've never experienced the Lord today I'm telling you you're at the right place if you've ever needed the Lord before we sure do need him now God can give you that prayer language God can give you that heavenly language I'm telling you there's something about the sweet dwelling of the Holy Spirit. There's something about walking with God. There's something about living with the Lord. I'm telling you, we are experiencing an outpouring of the glory of God. We've been praying for it. We've been asking God for it. And He's here, church. He's here today, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Well, glory. <laughs> oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. I remember just a couple weeks ago, I said to you when we were teaching on the series, Recapturing the Glow of God. I believe it was the second week of that series and recapturing the glow. I said this statement multiple times in that message. Oh, I long for the day when the Holy Ghost just shows up in church and the presence of God is so thick in the room, it's almost, you can almost sense Him sitting right beside you. You know, I said it two weeks ago and we were right in the middle of a fast. Well, church, hello, honey, He's here. I just want to let you know He answered the prayer. He's here. And I don't know if you feel what I feel, but He's in the room. He's in the house. You may not understand it, but I'm telling you, you just call on him. Call on the Lord while he may be found. Lift up his name while he's still yet near. I'm telling you, you are in the presence of Jehovah. You are in the presence of the Lord right now. You're in his house today. He's here, church. He's here. Oh, my goodness, is he here. He's here. Glory, glory, glory. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> well, glory. This is better than any song that can be sung. This is better than any food you can get at the local restaurant when you leave here today. I'm telling you right now, this is heavenly food. This is manna from heaven. Gilligan's has got nothing on what you're about to eat in this place today. There's no restaurant you're going to go to today that's going to feed you like the Holy Ghost can feed you right now. I'm telling you, you walk. I've been praying that our teenagers and people would see an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I'm child, I, I believe the old song says, when the Holy Ghost shows up, we'll have church. I'm glad that my children are in the room today. I'm glad Micah's in the back of the room today. I'm glad our children's ministry's in the room today. I'm glad our teenagers, because I want them to know the God that I serve. I want them to know the Holy Ghost. I want them to know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he's still for their generation as well. He's still for them today as well. What if the next Billy Graham is sitting in this room? What if the next great evangelist is in this room or missionary or song director? 
Oh, I want them to know the power of Jesus and the resurrection and fellowship of his sufferings. I want them to know that God is real. I want them to know God is able. Oh, we thank you, God. We love you, Lord. God, we just pray to you. God, I, th I thank you. I thank you that you hear us when we call. God, I thank you. You heard the prayer of this pastor that said, God, show up sometime. Just remind us you're still in control. Just let these children and young people see the Holy Ghost again. Oh, God, I thank you that you hear prayers. I thank you that you don't turn deaf ears. But, God, you hear the cries of your people. I thank you, God. God, I thank you for your spirit in this house today. God, I'm asking you in this moment that, God, you just... We welcome you in your own house. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We welcome you today. And we want you to just stay with us. Just stay with us. Right here. Abide with us. Resident with us. Reside with us. In this place today. Lord, we love you. I want you to take just about the next 30 seconds. Before we transition to whatever the Lord wants to do, but I just want you to take a moment and you just talk to God. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care how you do it. You can do it with an ovation of a hand clap of praise. You can do it with a shout. You can do it with a cry. You can do it with your head bowed and eyes closed. But I just want you to talk to God. If you need a need, these altars are open. If you want to be prayed for, I, I, I believe God's in this house. I will lay hands on you with oil, and I will pray God the prayer of faith. The Bible says if there are any sick among you, if there anybody has a need, let them call for the elders of the church with the laying hands of, of them, and let them pray the prayer of faith. I will pray for you today. I will believe God for you today. I will trust God. Some are already coming. Just come on if you have a need. But I just want you to talk to God for a moment. I want you and God to just have a moment together. Just tell the Lord in your own way how much you love Him, how much you love Him, how much you you love him tell him how much you're thankful for all he's done for you pour out your heart to him church worship him just worship him just worship him church just worship him today as some are coming and we get ready to pray for them and if others come we'll pray as well but just worship him here at this moment in time just worship him today Oh, will you just worship him for a moment, church? Will you just talk to him, Lord, to the church? Talk to him. Father, you are good. You are great and greatly to be praised. 
Lord, we worship you. We glorify you. Oh, hallelujah. Let this be our prayer of the tagline. For he walks with me. And not a shall harm me. The devil can only go so far, church. For I shall the arms of God. Here's the interesting if you can be seated, you can. If you can't, that's okay. We have been talking about our vision is to reach, disciple, and pray for one person, one family, one community at a time. We've been on a series all through January called Fresh Starts, getting a fresh start, getting the slate clean and getting a fresh start. I don't know about you, but I love it when God knows what He's doing and I don't have to worry about it. Now, we, we talked for three weeks or capturing the glow of God, that presence of God, the tangible presence of God. And all week long, I battled back and forth because that, that part was over, and I knew we had one more week to go with it being a, a five-week month. God, I want to finish that, that thought of a fresh start. Where do I go? And I got reports yesterday of different people that weren't going to be here. Brother Larry had to be called into work. That's why we didn't have drummer today. He had to be called into work unexpectedly. So we, have, we adjusted we miss him, but hopefully he'll be back with us tonight. Others are sick. They're not here. Brother Randy and I got information this past week about Brother Robert Chambers, who's not doing very well. He's, he's forgetful, Alzheimer and dementia type stuff. He can't remember anything. He goes back, lapses in time, and he's just not well. He's regressing. You know, and I first thought, man, I've, all the people that kept telling me they wouldn't be here for various reasons, out of town or whatever, I thought, man, you know, what will church be like on Sunday? You know, we had a great service last week. We had a lot of people here. It was just it was a beautiful time in the Lord. And I kept wrestling, Brother Primo, all week. God, what do you want me to say? What, do you, what is your word for the week? What is, what is it? You know, I, I finished recapturing the glow. And what, what do you want me to do? And I, I read books. And I, I, I read the Bible. And I studied. And I prayed. And I, I, for the longest time, I just, was, I just had nothing. I just could not get my mind on anything. Even as a Wednesday night, I... I was telling Brianna, I said, look, I, I'm going to have to go to work probably Thursday and Friday in terms of the office rather than doing things like mobily. And some of you, I come see you on Thursday and your family's on Thursday. It wasn't that I didn't want to see you on Thursday. I had nothing. I, was, I, was, I didn't have anything for Sunday. I, I didn't know what I was going to do next. Thursday rolled around. I came out here and nothing. I just, I was like a stalemate. Thursday afternoon, I, I was just reading and I, I came across this scripture. And I'm going to pull it up. I think it's in, there it is, Colossians 2 and 15. Let me set this backstory up real quick before I talk to you just for a minute. I won't keep you long. But the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. And he's, he's combating the idea of legalism, living under the legalities of the law, the legalism versus having freedom in Jesus Christ. If you've been in our Wednesday night Bible study, you realize that Paul talks about that to every church. He told the Galatian church, walk in freedom and newness of life. He told Timothy, he told Titus about walking in speeches and conduct that's in the spirit. He, he didn't want people to feel like they were in legalistic bondage of religion. That's what the Judaizers and the people of the day wanted. 
But when he starts talking about the legalities and about how not to live in a legal, how not to live in a legalistic form and bondage of spiritual bondage, but living in freedom in Christ, he talks about at the end of Colossians chapter two, verse fourteen, he makes a statement about Jesus dying on the cross. The very last sentence, he talks about the death of Jesus Christ and what he did on Calvary's cross. And then you read this verse, talking. It's just the same thought. If you have your Bibles, I don't have verse 14. If you have your Bibles, you'll see that last thing and talks about Jesus and the cross. In fact, uh, if, I, if, you, if you humor me, I'll, just, I'll read it even though it won't be on your screen. And Jesus has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. He has taken it away, our sins, everything. He took away the legalism. He took away the bondage. He took away it all. The, the cross changed the history. It changed the course of history immediately. The cross did. And, and then it... This scripture goes right, it says it's the continuation of thought. He, he nailed it to the cross. Well, what did he do after he nailed it to the cross? Having disarmed principalities. He's talking about the enemy, the devil, the wickedness. Having disarmed principalities. Having disarmed the powers that are against you. He made a public spectacle of them. He exposed the devil for what he really was. A fraud. A liar. A deceiver of the brethren, a conniver, a, a, a vile and evil person. He made public, he made his faith, he proved the devil was a fraud. The devil doesn't have hold over you. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? For it's been swallowed up. The, the devil has no power anymore. Jesus proved that greater is he that lives in us than he that's in the world. The devil can make you think that way, but he doesn't really have as much power as we give him because of the power that lives inside of us. He made a public spectacle. Then what did he do? He triumphed over them. He was victorious. He won. I mean, you know the story. I know we're not at Easter. You know, and I know we always talk about this stuff in Easter. But he's not dead, church. He's not dead. Yes, he died. Absolutely he died. Yes. Yes, he died. He died like you and I one day will have to face death. But he didn't stay dead. And I tell you, he won't stay gone either. Just as quickly as he got up out of that tomb and he ascended back to heaven, he's going to come right back down and he's going to take us with him next time. The dead in Christ shall rise and we which alive and remain shall be called up together in clouds of glory. Which force shall we ever be with the Lord? Comfort one another with these words. He may, he didn't stay dead. He won't stay gone. And when he comes, neither will I stay dead and neither will I be left alone because I'm going home with Jesus in a twinkling of an eye. I've made my reservation for that mansion in the sky. I may not know the moment and I may not know the day, but I know that I'll be leaving when he calls this church away. I'm getting out of here. Now the question is, who's going with me? You say, most, most of you in here say, well, Pastor, I'm going with you. Well, good. Who else? Who else? I started thinking about that scripture. And I thought, God, how does that, how does that apply to fresh starts? If you'd humor me, I just want to talk to you for something. And I believe, I am a 100% believer that God orchestrates His the steps of a good man and woman are ordered of the Lord and I believe God knows how to orchestrate his services I know we didn't finish the praise and worship oh well that's life you want to hear it I'll tell you what those three songs were we were supposed to sing you can put them on your playlist and listen to them this week at home it'd be good for you probably better than some of the music we listen to anyway I'll give you the songs but when I finished up on Friday afternoon sitting at my dining room table by myself 
I didn't have a great grandiose. I don't have some cool title, you know, four steps to this or the don't let your cousins name your baby, give you whatever. But if I ever, I believe, after 21 days of fasting, heard God tell me something, even though he waited. See, I, feel like, I felt like Mary and Martha there. Lord, you waited at the very last second. We're coming up close to the crown clock. You're, you're right here. You're like four days late, God. I'd like to have this stuff done by Wednesday. We're a little behind here, you know. We're getting behind. I just want to talk to somebody today and just tell you that sometimes God will change the plan. It's already in the system. I didn't know this was going to happen today. I put it in the system yesterday afternoon. I had no idea what was going to happen with this service. But isn't it funny God changes the plans when the sermon's about changing plans? Because the Bible teaches me that what the enemy meant for evil. What? God? That's a change of plan. The devil said, I'm going to take you out. God said, no, you're not. The devil said, yes, I am. God said, no, you're not. What the enemy meant for evil, God said, I'll make it good. That's changing the plan. That's changing the plan. So as I began to think about that, I started thinking of some things today. So here's what I want to unpack for a few moments with you. I don't know about you, but I love to travel. I love it. I love to travel. My version of traveling is different than other people's, for sure. Thank you, Band. I appreciate that. My version of travel is a little bit different than other people. I like to fly. I like, I like somebody else to get me there. That's my mode of transportation. Mm-hmm. I pay you, you get me there. My wife, on the other hand, she says, I don't want to pay them to get me there. I pay you, talking about me, to get me there. So you drive, save us money while I sleep. That's our version of travel, her version of travel. <laughs> and I like to travel. I like to fly. I like to see things. Brianna's not as big on flying as I am. She likes to see things as you drive along. Most of them she sees in a darkened state because her eyes never open to see the wonders of the beauty around us. I don't know if she's sleeping or she's praying as I'm going 90 miles an hour on the interstate. I don't know which one. But either way, she's not paying attention to the moving trees that are going by at an alarming rate of speed. But as I've traveled, I have had things like layovers, change of planes. Even when we were on our honeymoon, our planes got derailed and changed. Now, they don't frustrate, frustrate me as much as they do others. Some people get rattled if their plane gets delayed or gets canceled. There are certain things that do frustrate me, though. One of the things that agitates me is picking a restaurant. It annoys me. Like, it literally just frustrates the, the, the mess out of me when we can't come to a consensus on food. I'm not picky. I know that I am slim and trim and beautiful, but I do like to eat. And I, I don't care. Every restaurant has some version of chicken. I'll survive. I don't care. You can take me anywhere. Even Olive Garden has chicken, and they do pastas, but they have chicken in it. I can survive. But, but nothing frustrates me when you get a group of people together, and everybody says, hey, let's go to, you know, let's go to, to Olive Garden. Great. One person walks into the room and says, hey, where are we going? Olive Garden. Oh, we're going there. Shut up. You weren't here for the vote. Get in the car. Because you know what she's, you know what that said individual or that person about to do? They're about to, pull, to put this whole thing in a, in, a, uh, in a conundrum. They're getting ready to mess this all up. Because they're going to go, I didn't really want Olive Garden. I was kind of thinking, you know, we could, we could go to Outback. And you know what's going to happen? Somebody in that group 
that say okay to go to all guns and say, you know what, I had had Outback in a long time. That does sound good. I could do a good steak. Shut your mouth. You just caused it. We already had a place to go. Now we're going to argue for another 30 minutes because the other person doesn't want Outback. Just stop talking. It frustrates me. Miranda's like, I don't know. I'm just going to go back. If y'all don't hurry up and pick something, I'll just go eat and then I won't eat wherever you go because I've already ate. She won't wait. Uh, and she's hungry. She's ready to eat. Uh, it annoys me. There's different people that have different things that annoys them. Changing of plans. We all, we all have things that agitate us or things that happen. But life is full of unexpected change of plans. You know, like when you get up to go to church and the car doesn't crank. You didn't plan for that. That just happens. You didn't get up on, you didn't pray on Saturday night, God. I need a really good excuse not to go to church tomorrow. Let my car not crank so I can tell the preacher. Nobody prays that prayer. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, God, thank you that two tires on my car are flat. I praise you, God, for flat tires. Nobody's done that. That was unexpected. Nobody likes that. That happens. It changes the plan. And the passage we read in Colossians, it's an interesting passage. The Apostle Paul is writing in the church of Colossae around 60 to 62 A.D., Anno Domini, in the year of the Lord. He was imprisoned at Rome, corresponding the letter out of prison. He was trying to counteract the heretical teachings and, the, and the, the, the fallacies of the Judaizers of the day and to exhort the believers to trust God. And so the Apostle Paul knew that the Colossians were quite knowledgeable of military traditions. They had seen how military works being Roman under Roman rule. They knew they were Greek. They had, they had, they had the idea. They, they mastered the art of warfare. They knew military strategies. And so Paul kind of uses this verse to talk about that because he can understand things like having disarmed, talking about enemies, how to, how to disarm your enemies, how, overtaking them, making a public spectacle of them, triumphing on them. These are all military terms that they would have recognized and, and they would have been more in tune to listen to. So when I started thinking about that. I said, God, what has that got to do with a fresh start of the church? What is the changing of the plan? You know, I, I know we prayed. I said to you earlier, we prayed and wanted the Spirit of the Lord to come down and be in our midst and, and the glory of the Lord during the series recapturing, or during the, the sermon uh, recapturing the glow. And we prayed for that. And God did that today. And we felt His presence in, in the worship. And it was beautiful. He changed the plan. It was wonderful. But what's next? What happens next? But for the next few months, I don't want to talk to you about the changing of plans from the perspective of God. I want to talk about the changing of plans from your perspective. Because God already has a plan. And the only reason God's plans ever get changed is because we don't like to follow the plan. God has a perfect will and He has a permissive will. The permissive will, He'll let you do it your way to figure out your way wasn't that good. That's what permissive will is. Israel wants a king. God says, no, I'll be your king. They said, no, we want a king. He's going to take your sons and daughters. He's going to put your sons in war. He's going to take your daughters and use them as brides with other military. We want a king. We want a king. They got a king, and then everything fell apart. He let him have it. That wasn't his plan, but he let him have it. I want to talk about your perspective of plans. Because I believe the enemy also has a plan for your life, too. For the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but... It's like, I love the fact that everything the enemy has a plan for, God's got a plan. Watch the plan. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The enemy wants to take you out, but I'm not going to let him. That's a change of plans. The enemy's coming for you. I'm going to stop it. Change of plans. 
The enemy has a plan for your life. The enemy has a plan for my life. In fact, there's a lot of people living in this world that are living their life based on the plans the enemy's laid for them. He's laid traps and snares and schemes and devices. He's got them where he wants them. That's his plan. He doesn't want them to know Jesus. He doesn't want them to go to church. He doesn't want them to go to Bible study. He doesn't want them to go to Sunday school. He doesn't want them to come to Wednesday night or Sunday night services or Sunday morning service. He doesn't want that because he doesn't want them to know Jesus. That's his plan. That's why he makes sin be appeasing. For there is pleasure in sin for a season. But it's not forever. It's only for a season. And so I started thinking about that. The first thing that I thought about was, he said in this scripture, he said, having disarmed. That word disarmed, in the, in the, in the King James Version, it says having spoiled. If you read it in King James, I read it in the New King James this morning. But if you read it in King James, it says having spoiled. And that word spoiled is literally comes from a Greek word, ekduo, that literally means to strip, to undress, or to take off the clothes of another. So I started thinking about some things in life have to be stripped down. Sometimes things have to get back to the bare necessities before anything else can be put back together. Sometimes God will allow, whether it's the enemy or whether it's just the cares of life and Him trying to grow and develop your faith, sometimes God will allow you to be stripped of everything to realize your need for Him and it's all said and done. He'll take it all. I'm going to show you that just here in a moment. When a king would triumph over another king, they, the customary thing would do is when they would get that king, they would put him in captivity, they would show the king of his medals, his ribbons, his armor, and his in front of everybody. That was the reason. The devil has done that to so many people. He has stripped people of their joy. He has robbed them of their peace. He has taken their love. He has destroyed their marriages. He's made hope seem hopeless. He's robbed them of families. He's taken, taken their jobs. He's allowed church hurts and church splits to hurt them for eternity and caused them to have a, have a distaste for the things of God. The devil has tried his best to strip all of us of things in our lives. He's tried. That's what the devil wants you to believe. You've got no hope. He wants to point the fingers. He wants you to feel like you've got everything coming at you. He wants you to think there's no way out. But that's nothing further than from the truth. I'm here to tell you that he makes you think that. But that's not the truth. We know he's the accuser of the brethren, the father of all lies. But Paul illustrates and re relates to these saints in his writing that Jesus has already done things the devil couldn't do. In verse 14 he said, He nailed it to the cross having disarmed. That means when I said, Jesus, I'm a, sin I'm a sinner and need of a Savior, the same blood that flowed from Calvary's cross has been applied to my sin-sickened heart so that everything the devil tried to strip me from, God's going to restore it back to me. God's going to bless me. He's going to press it down, shake it together, let my vats run over. Whatever the devil tries to come, the blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord we can say that if God be for me who can be against me the devil may come in but like a flood God will raise a standard against him that's a change of plans I'm telling you the devil might make you think you've lost it all he may make you think you've got no hope but I've come by to tell you that Christ took care of it all he took care of everything he wiped it clean what the enemy tried to take God's going to give it back to you he'll give it back the devil was stripped of all of his authority he was given by Adam and Eve in the garden. The devil is not some pompous general dressed up in regal attire with flowing feathers. No. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But, but the Bible said you resist him and he has to flee from you. 
I love the fact that when Jesus died on the cross, he did not say, I am finished. He said, it. He just added the letter T to the word. Not I, it. I am finished. See, if Jesus would have went to the cross and said, I am finished, what he would have said to God is, I did what I came to do, now it's not my problem anymore. I did my job. Rest is on them. I've done my job. I'm finished. I'm done. I quit. I'm done. But he didn't. He said, it. It is finished. What does he mean? He means that everything that you've ever done, every heartache you've ever walked through, every tear you've ever cried, every struggle you've had to go through, every sin you've ever committed, when he said, it is finished, he said it, and he meant it. It is finished. Every sin has now got to come under the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no need. Not with, it is not with the, the presentations of bulls and bullocks, but it's with the precious blood of Jesus Christ that is one saved. We don't have to bring animals. We don't have to have slaughterhouses. We don't have to do that because one work of definite grace on Calvary's cross, the precious blood of a lamb from God's own portal of heaven, came down, stripped of all of his royal regalia of heaven and put on human flesh and carnality he gave up all the splendors of heaven so that he could come to earth and when he said it is finished he meant it doesn't matter what the devil does if they trust in me it is finished no sin is too far no person is too far there's no sin that easily entangles them that I can't meet them where they are he meant it is finished so whatever you've done whatever has happened to you you're at the right place today God can give it back God can restore God can redeem God can reconcile God can save. It is finished. Everything is under the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing the devil can do about it. Nothing he can do about it. Psalm 68 and 18. For you ascended on high. You have led captive, the captivity captive. You have received gifts from among men. Even from the rebellious, the Lord has dwelt there. Ephesians 4 and 9, he ascended. What does it mean but that he first ascended in the lower parts of the earth? I love the story of Job. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. You talk about a man being stripped of everything. The sons of men come to present themselves before the Lord. The devil comes with them. The devil says, the Lord says, where you been? He said, I'm just running to and fro, seeking the earth. And God sets Job up church the devil didn't ask for Job God gave it to him God said have you noticed my servant Job when you've been doing that have you noticed him boy he's a good man isn't he righteous blameless the devil said well of course he is <laughs> who wouldn't be you give him everything he's one of the wealthiest men of the day he gets everything he wants I mean God if, if you took that away from him he wouldn't have that he wouldn't serve you God said really you really believe that yes I do you take away everything from him, he'll curse you before he even has a chance to think twice. God said, okay, deal. Here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to, you can take anything from him, just can't touch his body. Can't harm him. Can't harm him. Job would always pray for his wicked children who erred on the side of carnality. One day, Job is sitting outside knowing his children are having a party. One of his servants comes running in and says, Job, all your, all your sheep are, has been the, 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 the marauders have come in, they've taken them, they've killed them, they've slaughtered. You have no income. You've lost your income. Then the next group comes in and says, Job, all your cattle is dead. Job at that moment has lost his ability to have sacrifices. He's lost his praise. He's lost his offering. He's lost his worship. Because he used that for his worship. That's how they would take him and present him. He lost his worship. That's a bad place too. Then, if that's not bad enough, Another service says, Job, all your kids came over to their brother's house for a party today. And there was a hurricane force gale that came through and it blew the house over. Every one of your seven children are gone. They're dead. They're no longer with you. So within 
a 10-minute conversation, he's lost his every money that he has invested, his stock market, his sales, his retirement, everything has crashed. He's lost his worship, and he's lost his children. It would about make anybody lose their mind if all that happened in one day. Job sat down, he tore his clothes and with sackcloth and ashes. He sat down, but he said, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. You talk about being a stripped man, bare. He said, from, from, from ashes, from, from dust I was formed, from ashes I was formed, and dust I shall return. He said, I've, been, I've lost it all, and I'll leave with, it, with nothing. I didn't have anything when I got here, and I'll have nothing now when I leave. But I still will not curse God. Even Job's own wife said, Job, you're miserable, son. Then the devil comes back to him and said, well, if you take his health from him, God, he'll do it this time for sure. And God said, okay, you can do that, but don't, don't kill him. You remember the story, don't kill him. Job said, so the devil goes, he takes his health, puts painful sores and all over his body. It's so bad that Job's wife is tired of seeing him miserable. She says, Job, just die. You're, you're suffering. Just, it'd be better to just pray that the Lord take you home, Job. You're, you're just, you're miserable. His three best friends show up and say, it's your own fault, Job. You did it to yourself. That's real good friends, don't you think? You know, nothing like makes you feel really good when you're down that somebody comes and kicks you a little bit further down to make you feel better about yourself. Real nice of them. When the story's all said and done, Job still did not curse God. He was stripped of it all. See, that tells me that sometimes in life, God may allow me to be robbed or stripped or laid bare of everything. But one thing I can hold on to is he doesn't leave. Friends may forsake me. Spouses may abandon you. Children may be like dead to you in terms of they may not talk to you. They may not want to have a relationship with you. Your income may go in flux. Everything can happen. But if God is on your side, if he said he'll stick with you, if he's a friend that sticks close with you, if you trust the Lord, you may lose everything, but he won't leave. Everybody else may go away, but he'll stay right there with you. He won't leave. Then he goes on, he says, not only did he disarm the principalities and the powers, he made a public spectacle. Then what did he do? He shamed them. The Bible tells us that Jesus put the devil on display for who he was. See, a king was stripped down to nothing and he was chained to a chariot and dragged behind it so that the world could see that he was now defeated. He was a defeated king. It was a loss of pride. It was a shaming technique to prove that the other powers were greater than the one who was behind the chariot. The devil loves shaming. He loves to shame people. He loves that. He loves it. But he also hates it when it happens to him too. See, the shaming is one of the major weapons of our warfare against the enemy. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty of God for the pulling down of strongholds. Is The devil doesn't like it when he's exposed in the midst. You let a little devilish person or you let someone who is being used as a tool or a technique of, a, of, of the devil get into a church and let somebody call them out and see if they don't cause problems within the church. They don't like being exposed. They don't like the light. They don't like being exposed out of the darkness. It's easy to, I've been in churches where, where, where people they come in, they're so nice, they're so sweet, but they're like this little devil in the middle of the church and they're trying to cause all these little problems. And when they get exposed, they try to destroy everything really fast in a hurry because they're angry that somebody called them out. They hate it and try to take it down anybody with them. The devil hates that. He was banished from heaven due to his pride. He couldn't handle the worship. He couldn't handle feeling like that God was better. He wanted it. 
He even said, I will send above the most high. And God said, no, you won't. In fact, I tell you what you can do. You can pack your bags and you can get out this house. I mean, could you imagine how miserable that had to be? Devil walks up thinking, talking to some of his buddies. I'm going to tell you what, one of these days, I'm going to sit in the big guy's chair. I'm going to be up there. I'm going to beat him. <laughs> could you imagine getting called in to pastoral staff meeting, getting called in to staff meeting? God says, hey, uh, Lucifer, I need to talk to you. I want to go over the order of service for this weekend for church. I know you're over the praise and worship. I want to talk to you if you don't mind. Will you come and will you, will you let's speak together? And it's interesting to me that Lucifer probably walked into that meeting thinking, this is my moment. God's getting ready to promote me. He's getting ready to give me an upper echelon. He's getting ready to put me in a place. And God says, so here, there's been some things that I have heard. Uh, it's come to my attention that you feel like you could do this job better than I do. You, you feel like you could sit in this chair. You, you feel like you now want to be God. Um, and so um, after uh, thinking about this and talking to my colleagues, the, the Son of God and the Holy Spirit of God, we have come to the realization that you are a cancer to the body of Christ here in heaven. So what we're going to do is uh, uh, we're going to ask you to pack your bags uh, effective immediately. We're going to need you to go clean out your storage locker. We need you to go ahead and take your little harps and your little guitars and your little flutes and lyres and all this stuff. We need you to pack your bags, and um, you've got about two hours, and we're, we're kicking you out. Happy flight. Not exactly how that how Lucifer was planning that day to go. See, the devil will always paint you a rosy picture when he has an ulterior motive undergirthing it. He'll tell you all the right things, but he's got an underlying agenda when he does it. The devil's not looking out for your good. He's looking out for his good. <laughs> you know how you can always tell if the devil's involved? If it's always about the other person, they never look out for anybody else. That means something's not right. Because the Bible said that the spirit of pe the people that have the spirit of God, the Bible says they will prefer their brothers do unto others as you'd have it done unto you. Prefer your brothers in love. The Bible says I'm supposed to be more concerned about my brothers and sisters than I am my own. Right? So the devil's not into that. But as I get ready to close, I, I want to give you some hope today. Not only was he the devil disarmed or stripped away of his power, not only was he shamed, he doesn't like it, but can I tell you that he says he triumphed over them. That means that Jesus subdued him. The devil cannot beat him. You serve a God that's never lost. Think about that for a moment. You served a God that's never lost a battle. He's never lost a battle. He's not going to lose one now. He's never lost. He's, never, he's not going to lose the war. I mean, all throughout scriptures we see where people tried. They tried to stop the place of God. They tried to arrest the preachers. They tried to arrest the people of God. They tried to threaten them with jail time. They tried to threaten them with death. And yet the gospel still was preached. And the people of God were growing in leaps and bounds. And the spirit of the Lord was moving. The more they tried to silence them, the bigger it got. I mean, they tried to stop this message of Jesus Christ. Arrest Peter. Arrest James and John. Put all these people on subdued islands and, and isolation and, and, and behead them and, and put, uh, crucify them upside down. They tried to stop it. And yet the church grew in the midst of persecution. You know, I've often thought about if the church really experienced early church persecution, would we actually grow or would we actually regress now even though the early church grew during that time? And I've come to the realization, I think we would regress. There would be a remnant, 
And there would be people who'd still want the things of God, but the overall church at large would regress because nobody wants to have to walk the road of, of trials and temptations or walk the road of things like that. They want like instant macaroni, instant potatoes. They want everything to be given to them, and they want life to be great. You know, lot, you know why there's a lot of churches that are mega churches and big churches? Just, re, just watch about two services online or go watch their services for about two weeks in a row and listen to how they preach, listen to what the music is like. I'm not talking about the songs they sing. I'm not even talking about the style. I'm talking about how they present the song. And how they present the style that they they can sing things like you know who am I and and I you know that that the highest king would welcome me I'm a child of God yes I am they could sing all the same songs we sing but but there's a presentation to it they 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 put it in a concert form they they put it on a, everything gets dark and they want the light to be on them they want everybody to see them they 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 make it more of a of a not a worship even though they call it a worship experience what they're creating is a worship me experience that's what they're after and the the for the speaker of the day gets up there I'm not saying everybody has to wear suits and ties. I just had this conversation with somebody yesterday. I don't think everybody has to wear suits and ties, but I do believe when you go to the house of the Lord, you're stepping behind a lectern and a, pool, a, a podium that is holy ground. That's not just some average Joe. You just don't come up here and be like, all right, church, what's up to the big guy? Let's just talk today. about." No, I think you come with holy fear and reverence. You're standing behind. There's an altar of reverence behind this. There's a coals from the altar of heaven that are, point, that are supposed to anoint the lips of clay. I'm not talking about styles, but I'm telling you, you can watch these churches that are growing in leaps and bounds, and the most majority of them the reason they're growing is because the people there don't feel convicted they don't feel anything life's great you can be sleeping with the other person on the praise team and still lead it cheating on your spouse but still be the CEO of the praise and worship department you you can lie on your income taxes but you can be the church clerk hello what will a man will a man not rob God with his tithes and offerings, we're going to defraud the IRS even though Jesus told Peter to go catch a fish and give a coin to pay for their taxes because we render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and render to God the things that are God. People withhold their tithes and offerings to God, but they'll certainly give it to, to the taxes because they don't want to get arrested by the IRS. But, but they'll defraud the IRS but want to serve in God's house. Something doesn't make sense there. I'm preaching better than you're talking back to me today though, and you know it. So there's a lot of people out there that they, 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 they don't want that. But I want to tell you that the enemy has been subdued from power from on high. There's an old song that says, put your foot on the head of the devil. Shout unto God with a triumphant shout. Greater is he that is living within us for the victory is ours. Boy, that's a good line. I, you could live off that all week. The victory's ours. Put your foot on the head of the devil. Shout unto God with a triumphant shout. Greater is he that lives within you than he that's in the world. I come by to tell you everything that's over your head is under God's feet. And the Bible, let me just give you some scriptures. Don't let me say it. This is what Jesus said. I will put enmity between you and the woman and your seed and your seed. He will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. If a serpent strikes you on the back of the foot, it may hurt and it may leave a wound and it may, it may not be comfortable for a while. But if you breathe somebody's brains out, they're going to die because it's going to be you breathe their brains out. The Bible tells us the enemy might try to take you out, but you've got the ability to take him out. He might make you think he's taking you out. What he doesn't want you to know, you've already been given power to take him out and you have it at your arsenal and disposal if you use it effectively for the kingdom of God Ms. Carol, you make your way and the God of all peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in Ephesians Apostle Paul said he put all things under his feet and gave him 
to be the head of over all things the church. The Bible says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the charms and tricks of the enemy. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Take up the whole armor of God. You may be able to stand so that you can stand, so you can stand, so you can stand. John the Revelator told us in the book of Revelation that a day will come where Satan will be eternally bound and banished forever. Forever. No more. He's done. He's finished. See, there are too many of us in our lives. We have been stripped of things. We have been publicly humiliated. We've been embarrassed. We've had to answer questions of things we didn't want to have to answer. We had to acknowledge people who are part of our family. or We had to tell people we knew so-and-so. And there's been a lot of things that we've had to deal with feel like we've been robbed of things, joy, peace, hope, etc. Maybe even be embarrassed to go to church and embarrassed to see people in town because you know they know, and you know that they know, but you don't want to have to face them because you know they know. And some people still hold on to that for a long time. But I came by to tell you today that it's already been put under the feet of Jesus. And everything that the devil meant to do God's willing to change the plan. The devil wants to take you out. God wants to give you life. The devil wants to destroy you. God wants to promote you. Everything the devil has done, God can change the term, change the plan. Here's my prayer for you today before we dismiss and and we pray and, and take up this final offering for the home for children. I don't want you to leave this place without hearing my heart today. I know this wasn't really, I wasn't running up and around the church and snorting and screaming and spitting and hollering and throwing things. Because I think the Lord already spoke enough this morning. He spoke in our time of worship. I want you to leave this place and you hear me carefully. Don't you leave this place still letting the enemy beat you up. Don't you leave this place letting the devil still make you think that you can't do it. He won't do it. God's not going to help you. God's not going to sustain you. Don't you leave this place thinking God's forgotten you and let the devil just have a field day with you and your emotions. Because the devil might tell you one thing, but I'm telling you, God's a master of changing plans. You've never seen somebody who knows how to adjust the plan quite like God does. He can take anything that's bad and he can turn it around for good. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I simply ask this today. I always ask if someone doesn't know doesn't know Jesus, if they just slip their hand up. If you don't know Jesus and like to know Him as Lord and Savior, you can slip your hand up at this time. While you're thinking about that, I just want to know. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just would like to know. Would anybody today just say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I've got some things in my life that I need God to change. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's children, grandchildren, a job. You just need God to change some things in your life. Just change the plans, the things that are going on right now. You just need God to change some stuff for you and work some things out for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to bring you up here and embarrass you. Would you just slip your hand so I can pray for you today? You just say, Pastor, I just like somebody. God, yes, I see it. Yes, yes, yes. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, thank you. So what I've got to ask you to do, I'm going to ask you to join with me in prayer. I'm going to lead it, but just pray. You don't have to know the needs of the people. 
there were many hands that went up and said, Pastor, I need God. I need God to do something for me, my family. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, there are people in this house that have asked for you to come and meet their need. God, I'm asking today you would touch us. And you would meet that need. And you'd let that work the enemy's trying to do and the vile corruption he's trying to do be put under the submission of Jesus Christ and the power of Jesus Christ. Father, I'm asking today that you would allow, we have felt your presence. We know you've been in this house. We've felt your presence. God, I'm asking you would allow us to feel Jesus in our homes and in our jobs this week. Let us feel Jesus. Father, I pray that for every hand that was lifted, that there is an answer to prayer already on the way. You're going to change the story. You're going to change the narrative. You're going to make it all things good. There's people that I've talked to this week that their hearts are heavy. They have things in their lives that they need God to do. But if there's ever been a time we need the Lord, yes, we need Him now. But if there's ever been the right person to talk to, we're talking to the right person today because you're the only one that truly can change the story, that can truly rewrite the narrative, that can truly change everything in our lives. So God, let us not look at change of plans as disheartening, but let us look at change of plans as a way that God provides a road in the wilderness, a way in the wasteland. He creates a pathway through my problems. Father, I pray that you would bless us and keep us. You'd make your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift your countenance towards us. Give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. And guard our hearts until you turn again. May the words of our mouths and meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and redeemer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Before Brother Randy prays a benedictory prayer, every year the Home for Children, the Church of God in South Carolina, we're one of the few states to the left that actually house widows, or actually house orphaned children, people that their parents have abandoned them or DSS has had to remove them from the home that they put maybe put in Church of God a Church of God orphanage if you will in Malden South Carolina Simpsonville we take them to Church of God church every week they go to youth camps they go to camp meetings we take them to church but they have to raise monies and they have to get food they have to have sustaining because they while they are you know supported some by state programs but they are they're limited because they don't they won't they won't acquiesce to the things of the world they stay true to what we teach as the church and every year they have harvest festivals and they have Easter offerings. And, and, and harvest festival runs from basically the end of October to, to February 1st, or the 1st of February. And they, each district in South Carolina, they ask to do different things, like a, a group, a certain district to do toilet paper, a certain district to do spaghetti, a certain district to do barbecue sauce. Well, in our area, it's, it's sometimes difficult for us to go buy a bunch of bulk and, and take that bulk and to go take it to Malden, to get a 15-passenger van. They have resources. They can go with to, to Sam's Clubs and other people that they've worked with a lot. That they can get a lot of bulk, bang for their buck, if you will, because they they've worked with those people. They'll give them discounts, and they get a lot more than you and I could going to Walmart and buying toilet paper. They could just get stuff like that better. And so I always have been a proponent to give them a monetary, so they can go buy a lot more than I can provide. Because if we all bought toilet paper, that's great. But if we give what if each person gave what they would give. To go buy toilet paper, they could probably go buy a supply of toilet paper that would be more than we could even come up with. Now, I've been praying. Sister Carol already knows this. She knows what we have already in the Home for Children budget in terms of what we have already in-house designated. I want to give $1,000 to these kids 
God's been so good to us here. We have paid off everything. We, we, have, we have been able to not miss it. Our, our bank account keeps going up every month, every week. We, we keep going up, up, up. And I'm not trying to say we shouldn't always be prepared for rainy days. But the Bible says sometimes you have to give so that it can be given back to you, pressed down and shaken together. You can be a hoarder of the talent, but God says when this master comes in, he's going to say, you, you wicked and vile servant, did you not know I sowed in vineyards that I didn't plant? Do you not know I've given them places I didn't have any? I believe Jesus wants us to sow, and he will bless us. Anything we give for the kingdom of God, I don't think he's going to let us go under because we blessed his church. I don't buy that. I don't believe we give $1,000 to the home for children, we're going to go bankrupt next week. I don't buy that. I believe somebody may come up to this campus and hand us a $10,000 check because we gave $1,000. I believe God can do stuff like that. Believe that. I've seen it done. There's people sitting in this room that have been in churches with me at other churches where my dad had served. We've done stuff where you didn't sell and you can't outgive God. You give stuff away for $200 and $20,000 would show up in your body. You can't give God. Outgive God for stuff. So I'm not going to tell you how much we have, but I want you, as we're on the radio, get ready to pray, to pray about what God, the ushers will be at the back door, but what God would let you give today. I'd love to be able to report to you next Sunday morning we were able to send $1,000 minimum home for children. I know everybody in here may not be able to give $1,000. I get that. There's some in here probably can give $20 or $50. There may be some in here that you have $100. There may be some in you here, you may have $5 to your name. If that's what all you have and that's what you give, God will bless you too. And I believe God will bless you because you're sowing in good faith. So if Brother Randy makes his way to come pray for you, I want you to pray about what God, Brother Mason and Brother Strong will be standing on both sides of the door so you can either way you go out the door, they'll have the offering bags ready for you. But will you pray and let's bless these children so that we can sow into the kingdom of God. Pure and undefiled religion before God is to take care of widows and the orphans. That's God's word. God bless you. I love you, Brother Randy. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you.